Good to see everybody here. You know, we're on this long journey with through the Sermon on the Mount, and um, they're not easy teachings. Not easy in the sense of, not that they're hard to understand. Jesus is very plain and simple. What's difficult is what he calls us to as followers. But what it also exposes is the heart of God, and it exposes what real life really looks like as far as how we treat one another and how we, um, how we walk the Jesus way. Uh, this particular teaching that we started last week, which is on judging, it is one of those teachings that Jesus gives that is, I would say, this is my opinion, it's a sore spot for Jesus. It's a sore spot for God. That when you go here, it's almost like you don't want to get called into the principal's office for this. <laughs> right? And the reason is, is because its effect goes far beyond just individually for us when we step into that place of judging another person. It has, it ha, it has its effect is global throughout the world, how we see one another and how it has infected and impacted societies and nations and people groups. It is, I, th- I don't think I'm exaggerating, but I think that judging is abhorrent to God, <laughs> I think. Am I okay so far? <laughs> I think so. So I, I want us to go on. And this teaching that Jesus gives is very eye-opening. If we'll stop, take a listen, and t- like really hear and really ask God to show us. It was interesting. One of the songs we had is, search my heart, God, would you really search it, see what's in there, right? And it's like, wow, we're praying this? Because we're singing it, it's like a prayer, like a group prayer, okay, God, God's going to show, God's going to show. So anyway, from that, um, let, let's, let's pick up from last week. Um, so understanding the why behind people's behaviors or behind the systems within society is really, really important. For, I'm going to give some simple examples. One, in Ontario, we have what's called the Highway Traffic Act. It's a lot of do this, don't do this, you know, all that. You can see it as that. But if you dig down to find out why does that law exist, when you dig down what it's all about is... The desire to provide the safe movement of vehicles and pedestrians on the highways and roadways of the province of Ontario. From that, to ensure that we have these rules, laws in place. Boom, 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 boom. It's the same with our legal system. You know, we have things, you hear things of, you know, the saying, you know, not sayings, but the principles of you're innocent until proven guilty, right? Or if you get, if you're going to, if you're arrested for a criminal charge, you have the right to remain silent. You don't have to say anything. The officer asks for a statement, you can say, I'm not going to. And it's okay. Most of the time. It should be. It's supposed to be. In the court, it's up to the prosecution to prove their case. It's not up to the person who's been accused to prove they're innocent. It doesn't have to, right? That doesn't have to happen. Um, why? You got to ask, why do we have those principles there? 
They're there because underlying that is this saying that you'll hear, lawyers lawyers will tell you this, law people will tell you this, is that we would rather a guilty person go free than an innocent person be locked up, right? We, we, we tilt things so that that will happen, hopefully. It doesn't always happen, of course, because it's, there's flaws in things. And ditto for Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. There is an underlying thing. Dig down in the Sermon on the Mount, and of course the rationale is... Loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what, that's what the rationale, you dig down there and that's what you find why everything comes, the teachings that come out and the call to follow Jesus in this way. And uh, so Jesus' command in Matthew 7, and this, we're just covering from 1 to 5, is he starts off with, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And that is based on loving your neighbor as yourself. And you have to ask the question, you have to ask Jesus, but why are we so prone to judging? Why am I so prone to judging Jesus? Why is that? And Jesus gives us insight to this. He just doesn't leave it at this. He continues with these words. And he goes, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that, rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And the words I would call you to key on this morning to focus on are the words judge, log, and hypocrite. Because those words reveal what's really going on here. The act of judging is weighing one thing. And I want you to think back to the old scale, right? This thing here. Isn't that an ominous picture? <laughs> That's one you'd have at the front of the courtroom, right? Right behind the judge. <laughs> There's a reason why they make some of the old courthouses look just so intimidating. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, rabbit trail there. It's weighing one thing against another. One side is the standard right for which something is to be weighed against cuz the other side is what you're going what you're going to weigh but there's one side that is the standard is the true thing and the other you're going to put and weigh in the scales that's what that is all about that's a balanced scale right um, and here's what's going on when i step into the realm of judging someone When that happens, when I step into that, I am putting the person on the scales as the one to be weighed. Boom. Right? That's what, when Jesus uses, talks about judging, he's talking about this. And back then, that would have been the way to measure things right there with that on those scales. But the standard I am weighing that person against 
I know righteously we would say, well, is, is the Bible, is scripture? Uh-uh. It's me. I am putting them on the scales. And I am weighing them. I'm being the standard. That's a problem. That's a real problem now. We've entered into a real problem. And the problem with that is that the, the standard that is used on any scale represents what the true standard is for this true unit of measure by which similar things will be measured against. That's judging. So that word judge that's what Jesus is talking about, what, we're, what I'm stepping into when I step into that. But Jesus also describes those who judge as hypocrites. And you, you have to ask, you have to go, so what is hypocrite and judge? How, come, how can they be in the same sentence, Jesus? I, you know, how do you do that? How does that happen? Hypocrite is a Greek word that means actor or stage player, right? That's what it means. So go back to Jesus' times. That's what it was understood as in, within the Greek culture. And of course, when theater was performed back then, they would put a mask on. They would wear a mask to, because they're, they're telling a story, portraying people, and so it changes who they are, right? That's, that's the whole purpose of it, right? And it's, it's very similar to what actors do today. They don't necessarily wear a mask, but they play a character that is not themselves. They're playing somebody else, you know, and they may put on a mask. They may be Batman in a movie, right? That person behind that mask is not really Batman, right? It's one of the actors who's ever playing that. But they present as someone else other than who they are. That's what an actor does. But Jesus isn't talking about theater. Because it's okay, you expect that from actors. But Jesus is saying something that is fairly strong when he says, hypocrites. He's saying something fairly strong. What he's saying here is, when I judge, I am presenting myself as someone other than myself. That I am right. And so I will judge you. Which brings us to the log. What does the log have to do with this? Well, Richard Rohr is a Franciscan priest. He, he has founded the, what's called the Center for Action and Contemplation down in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he talks about what he calls our shadow self. And this is how he describes the shadow self. And I've heard other teachers as well talk about the shadow self. It's that part of me that I don't want to see, I don't want others to see, and of which I'm generally always afraid of. My tendency is to try to hide it or deny it, even and most especially from myself. 
And it's what Jesus is talking about when he quotes from the Old Testament, and I think it's Isaiah, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. You don't look at yourself. We, we don't. Well, we don't want to. I don't want to talk about that stuff. Right? Roar goes on to say, now this is coming from a book, I believe it's called Things Hidden. And he says, Jesus and the prophets deal with the cause. Remember that Jesus always in the Sermon on the Mount is not really interested in addressing behavior. He goes right down into the heart. Where does this all come from? What's going on here, right? So he says, Roar says, Jesus and the prophets deal with the cause, which is the ego. We have an ego? Oh, yes, we have an ego. And our problem is not our shadow self as much as our overdefended ego, which always sees and hates its own faults in other people and thus avoids its own conversion. And that is so true because I've seen it over and over and over. I shouldn't, that's an exaggeration. I've seen it a few times. The very, th- <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going way overboard there. <laughs> God, urge. I've seen it where the very thing that people are pounding on others, they themselves get sunk on it. <laughs> because they won't examine. They, we sing. That's the whole point of that song. Search me, God. Search me. And he will. And God likes to sit with us and talk about our shadow self. God doesn't have a problem with that. He knows that we have that, that that's there. Anyway, let me continue here. Uh, Roar continues, Jesus' phrase for the denied shadow. And Roar says, that's the plank in your eye. That's the plank. And I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But let me go on here. And he says, what you invariably see as a splinter in your neighbor's eye, he says. So he's quoting from Matthew 7. It goes on to say, he does not deny, Jesus does not deny that we should deal with evil. He doesn't. Jesus, behavior, absolutely we got to deal with that. We have to address behavior. But we had better do our own inner housekeeping first, Roar writes. If we do not see our own plank, it is inevitable that we will hate it elsewhere. And that's true. And the cool thing is that when you do address your own, when you do look at yourself, when you do fully see, you're not interested in dealing with the speck that you see in your neighbor's eye. That, and that's the whole thing of Micah 6, 8. Do justice, love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with him. It's the whole thing of humility. So I'd say that Roar is correct, that he's pointing to the fact that Jesus always deals with the heart and in this teaching on judging, Jesus is going here into the heart. And understand this. Jesus does this because he loves us. He loves you. He doesn't want you to ignore this. He wants to bring healing. It's like, you know, you go to your doctor. If you don't tell your doctor that you got a pain in your gut or something, doctor can't help you. It's when you acknowledge it, Right? And then the doctor can help you, right? It's so, it's so important. Um, and that plank is that part of me 
that I won't address and definitely I don't want you to see it. And that's why there's that tendency that when I see it in you, it raises something up in me and we step into that place of judging. Because when I'm judging, as I said before, I am literally presenting myself as the standard or the accurate specimen that I measure you against. And Jesus said, are you sure you want to go play that game? (laughs) We can play. That's what he says at the beginning of that teaching. You want to play that game? Fine. That's the standard we'll use against you. You want to judge? Let's go. Let's do it. (laughs) Right? Go, no. Um, It's wearing a mask. It's presenting yourself as as something else than, than someone that you're not. That's what you're doing to someone who you judge. You're, you're presenting yourself as someone that, that you're not. Putting a mask on. I said judging is abhorrent to God. There's different times in scripture you go, yeah, I think maybe. God doesn't like dishonest. Well, so that judging, that's dishonest scales, right? That's not right. That's ripping people off. So the, the prophet Amos God spoke through the prophet, and this is what God said through the prophet to the people of Israel. You can't wait for the Sabbath day to be over and the religious festivals to end so you can get back to cheating the helpless. You measure out grain with with dishonest measures and cheat the buyer with dishonest scales. God hates it. Like he hates, God hates that defrauding people. Here, here's something that's, you know, so this, what, what he's talking about here, and if you read it in the, the New American Standard Bible, it expands that you measure out, what does it say? You measure, you make the ephah, which is a unit for measuring grain, small, and the shekel, which is a unit of weight, you make it great. And it's the whole thing so I can get more from you. That's what it's all doing. It's sort of like saying, you want to come and buy grain from me? I sell it by the bushel. I make my bushel a little smaller. (laughs) Here's a fun thing. Did you know that goes on today? I don't know why I'm whispering. I don't know why I'm whispering. (laughs) But have you ever noticed sometimes you you go to get something and your brain's telling you, I think that's a little bit smaller, that package. And you go, I don't think so. And you look at it and go, it is. It's a price. Or the price is more. Mm. <laughs> that does not make a fan of God, right? And that whole thing with the shek, yeah. So it's that whole thing of dishonest. It's that defrauding, right? Because God is a God who defends those who suffer with injustice. He hates injustice. He hates when people are oppressed and taken advantage of. God hates that. So when I present myself as the true standard, God cringes. And God God actually says that's deceitful. Wise words from Proverbs, which I think we should just pause here just for just a minute. Proverbs 16.10. And if you haven't been in Proverbs in a while, go there. Wonderful guidance for life. The Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standard for fairness. And I want you to focus on two words and take them to heart. One, that 
the Lord doesn't encourage you to have accurate scales and balances. He demands it. Demands that, that, that we are fair. And it says, he sets the standard, not me, not any of us. He gets to set the standard by which things are, are weighed out. That's why we don't step into that place of judging because then we're setting the standard. And God goes, no, you don't. <laughs> uh-uh. Don't play that game, right? Don't go there. Don't go down there. Isn't that a good verse? Almost a good, it almost make a good memory verse, right? Almost just a reminder to us. But, there's a but here. When you dig down to find the rationale for Jesus' demand not to judge, you find the good news. When Jesus came to our planet, we just celebrated Christmas. When Jesus came, he did not come with scales or balances. He came with, and I've written down here, grace towards all of humanity. Grace, no scales, no balances. And, and remember, Jesus is the complete revelation of who God is. Complete revelation. That's God. No scales, no balances. So now you start to go, oh, that's why this is such a hot button for Jesus. That when we step into this, you get Jesus' attention really quick. Right? Remember that those two verses we know so well. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, you know, puts their full weight on him, trust him, will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. No scales, no balances but to save, to rescue the world through him. His goal was to rescue, not to, not to bring judgment, not to judge, because if he judged, we would be found wanting. That's why Paul says, when we live by the law, it brings death. It does. It shows we are guilty. And Christ didn't come in to bring the scales of justice out and set them on the table. And okay, let's put you on there, Glenn, and we'll see. <laughs> right? That's what I was. You, you know what? Why not? But no, that's for all of us, right? We depend. We sang about it today. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Recall what John wrote at the beginning of his, near, near the, the first chapter of his gospel. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible because it's probably the most um, taking from the Greek New Testament, the most accurate wording for it. But this is in John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For 
of his fullness, he's speaking of Jesus here, we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And, and John was trying to lay it out right at the beginning, to lay down the foundation that this, this Messiah that has come, this word that existed before the beginning, that everything that was created through him, this is what he has brought. This is the one who moved into the neighborhood and lives with us. He has brought grace upon grace. And that is our hope. And, and, and it's just John wanting us to see this, to understand who this God is we worship. And I'm so thankful for John that he captured this for us. So thankful for John. And then you got Paul. Paul can't speak enough about grace. That dude will sometimes, will start his letter with grace and peace to you from Christ Jesus our Lord, or he'll end his letters with grace and peace to you. May it always be with you. Paul is about grace, is about grace, is about grace. Right? One of his letters that he wrote was the letter to the Romans. And chapter five is almost like it just, it just talks about the grace of God. And here's just a little sample of, uh, of what Paul writes, which is his heart. And he says, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And if you continue through that fifth chapter in Romans and you hit chapter six, Paul in chapter six talks about, you know, how he had heard that some people were saying, so if sin abounds more than grace will abound more. And so therefore it would be okay to sin to show God's grace. And, and Paul basically goes, eh, gag, no, not a chance, not a chance. That would be, that'd be contempt. That'd be contempt is what it would be. Because God's grace is something that's poured out for us. Poured out for us. And we can just receive that. And the opposite of judging is grace. The opposite of judging is mercy. It's compassion. is love. That is the opposite. That's why Jesus says, don't go there. Don't go there. In John's little letter, 1 John he writes, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This whole thing of grace is God's initiative towards us. God took the initiative. You got to ponder that and think about that. This is a wonderful, amazing God. This is wonderful. This is good news. This is very, very good news. I want to tell you just a real quick story that impacted my life. Church I grew up in was the Stony Creek Alliance Church. Doesn't exist anymore because the uh, way things went. Um, but in our time, it was just it was a just a wonderful, so profound, impacting church for me. And the reason it was is the pastors there that we had they just their, their thing was centering around God's love for us but the people the leadership in that church they were just beautiful people beautiful people 
and they led by example. And I'll never forget one of the leaders, one of the chartered members of our church that were there when it was first planted. His 16-year-old daughter became pregnant. And in, back in that day, you know, that would have been in, I would have been 13 at the time, I think. So 73, something like that. That was something that, you know, hide away shame, right? I remember when the man's name, the father's name was Russ. I remember when Russ stood up at the church and explained just what was going on in the family. And he said, you know, we love our daughter. We're walking with her. And uh, we're going to stand with her. And we're standing with her boyfriend. His name was Joe. And Joe wasn't a follower, wasn't a believer. And, and we're just standing under God's grace with all this. That, that impacted me. Because it was like, that's amazing. I'd never seen that ever before. I've never seen that. And here's the amazing thing from that. It wasn't long after they ended up getting married. Joe and Nancy, they got married. And, uh, and then it was like, what was it, a year later? You hear the story of Joe became a follower of Jesus. And then a couple of years later, Joe and Nancy sense a call into ministry. And they move out to Canadian Bible College. That was the Alliance Bible College out there in seminary in Regina, Saskatchewan. He goes through school, and then they pastor a church, and he's pastored ever since. Joe received tangible grace from his future father-in-law. Tangible grace. You could, you could smell it, you could taste it, you could see it. And it was, it was, that's grace, not judgment. And that's the power of God's love. That's what it will do. That's, that was amazing. That was amazing. They pastored in Alberta. Just an amazing story. That's grace. That's grace. And grace is what it's all about. We are followers only because of God's grace. We are gathered here only because of God's grace. And we are called to be ambassadors of that grace to all other people we meet, everybody. All these pictures you see of the people, they've encountered grace at Urban Hope, right? Grace, not judgment. That's why there's hope within their faces and their eyes. Because of God's grace. That's what it's all about. So it's like Jesus said to his followers, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. As Jesus, so us. So us. We are people of grace, recipients of it. And that's beautiful.